Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Mix It Up with ML, a podcast all about just learning, connecting, um, and really the human experience. And today, I'm super stoked to have somebody who, honestly, I've really been inspired by ever since being a practice player for the Princeton University women's basketball team. Yeah. Um, and that's Bella Allery. So thanks for joining us at 11 p.m. in Spain. Bella, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Great, great. So honestly, I usually have the guests like kind of talk about how we met, but I basically just said we met through being practice player on the women's team. Um, yeah. So that was super dope. And I remember just being like, man, I knew your team was serious, but being out there, Bella was cooking me. I remember <laughs> just being like, oh God, I'm out of my depth. But that was a great time, right? I remember that. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I feel like the practice players that came and played with our team were honestly all the best like you I remember Jeb and Nick um it makes the biggest difference like having like competitive and actually like super talented guys like compete against us and definitely prepared us to win a bunch of championships so we're grateful for you guys (laughs) well thank you I hope yeah to hear that I played a small role in your dominance is, is pretty cool so great I figure we can jump right into it Bella make the best use of your time here um and so as I mentioned You've inspired me. So I imagine you've inspired so many, you know, young ballers out there and anybody playing other sports as well. So with that in mind, I kind of just wanted to ask about your early life and your relationship with the game early on. Right. And so I know myself and like so many kids out there, like want to go professional in sports. I remember like, oh, I told my mom and dad, I want to be in the NBA and the MLB. And like that, nobody's ever done that. But like, that's how we're (laughs) dreaming. Right. Um, So my question for you is like, was it always on your mind to reach the heights you've reached? And for the listeners, I didn't even say Bella is, you know, if you don't know, uh, she's on the Dallas Wings in the WNBA. Um, And so was that always on your mind um, to make the WNBA? Yeah, it's kind of funny. So growing up, my dad played at Duke and obviously that's like a crazy basketball culture. He was obsessed with Duke even years and years after he played there and the most basketball I watched was like men's college basketball on TV because that's what was always playing in my house. And for a really long time, like I thought the ultimate goal was like, I was going to play at Duke just like my dad. And that was like the ultimate like peak of my like basketball, like career, like that was going to be it. And I think with women's professional sports, I've seen just over the course of my life, the visibility of it, like it increased a lot. But when I was younger, you couldn't really turn on the TV and just see like WNBA games like on all the time. Um, And I'm really happy that there's more visibility now. And I do think it still needs to get better, obviously. But, you know, I was able to go to a Mystics game when I was younger and like start to be inspired by these like professional female athletes. And so that's when I like kind of started to fall in love with the idea of playing professionally. Um, I didn't really know it was a possibility though, until I was like a freshman in college. Like wow. I chose Princeton. Cause I was like, I'll get the best of both worlds. Like I'll get to play basketball, but I'll get a degree and like work a more like normal job after college. And, um, I just had a great experience at Princeton was able to be developed so much as a player that that dream became more of a reality. Once my coach kind of told me, um, after my freshman year. So that's kind of like how it started for me. Right. Right. And I think that's, I think that's really cool for people to hear, right. Who, who might be, you know, trying to be inspired by you, just like you were by the mystics uh, when you went to the game that, you know, you didn't necessarily think that you would be doing this, you know, your whole life. So it's, it's really cool to hear that from somebody like you. Um, And I guess my next question would be, um, was there like a huge mental shift or was it more subtle? Like once you realize like, okay, maybe I can do this. Did that have any impact on sort of how you approach the game? Or did you try not to think about, you know, what was beyond Princeton while you were there? It was definitely a big mental shift for me. Um, Like I said, I went to Princeton because it's not really like a place that just cranks out WNBA players. Like it's people who succeed and do incredible things in the world, but it's not you you go to a power five school if you're dreaming of the WNBA. Mm -hmm. And so For me, um, I had a great, you know, rookie year. 
Um, and then I was invited to try out for a U.S. like national team, the under 19 team. And I made the team and got to compete with, you know, the best at my age group for the summer. And that was like a huge like moment for me where it kind of clicked that I was like among these really good players at my age and that I could actually hang with them. And I sat down with my coach um, before my sophomore year and she was like, WNBA is like pretty interested in you as a prospect. Like, I know you're young and like, you might not be thinking about this, but if this is something you want, like I'll help like develop you to get there. Um, You know, we'll get you stronger. Like we'll get you like the skills you need. And if that's something you want, like, let's do it. And that was when I could like make that mental shift and like have the confidence and like understanding that that was a possibility. Wow. Wow. And I think the other cool part of that, right. Is what you mentioned. You always wanted to go to Duke, which is, you know, in the power five, right. ACC. Um, and is there a potential maybe that you wouldn't have gotten the kind of playing time that you did early on at Princeton to sort of develop that confidence? So would, would you say that's true or not really true? Yeah. Absolutely. I think about it a lot. Like if like, not that UConn was recruiting me, but let's say I went there, like, I don't know if I would have gotten the minutes or the confidence and like kind of been thrown in the ringer, like as a freshman, like with a big like responsibility, um, that was like super valuable to me. Like I really needed that to develop as a player. So I think like playing at Princeton for coach Banghart and then coach Bruby, my senior year was like, the best decision I could have made for mm-hmm. sure. And I think what that brings up, you know, and I didn't play in college, but I just played club and I played at a high level in high school. So I have some familiarity sort of with this world. And I think it makes me think about the importance of timing um, in sort of your development, right? So like you're in the WNBA now and you didn't go to a power five conference school. So by that account, you could be considered like a late bloomer in some senses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, we were talking about maybe before the pod started just <clears throat> about the importance of surrounding yourself with great talent. And that's great at, at some stages, but then also you kind of, not that Princeton wasn't talented, but just you want to be in an environment where you can feel like you can grow your confidence first. So I think yeah. that's an important thing maybe to think about for any young hoopers out there who are like trying to, you know, advance their game and their trajectory. Think about what environment you're putting yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about fit too. Like, yes, I visited a ton of schools, talked to a ton of coaches and like Princeton, like it sounds so cheesy, but like I actually had a gut feeling. I was like, I need to be here. Like yes, there's me too. something about this place. And it's, I think a lot of people like feel that way when they visit the right school. Um, and it ended up working out for me. Like I enjoyed my four years like tremendously. And, um, but yeah, it's definitely about timing and it's like, everyone's story is different. Like we all know, like Steph Curry, like he was an underdog and definitely like a late bloomer and Mm -hmm. look at him now, like literally having like, I think the best three point shooting like month in the NBA. 83 threes in one month, like. Insane. Like, but everyone's story can be different and it's just about like, like what's best for you, you know? Absolutely. And so a little bit more on your early journey. Um, your dad went to Duke, played at Duke, and then played in the NBA, right? So this guy, he's a baller. He, he, yeah. achieved, he achieved at a very high level in the basketball yeah. sphere, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of my questions when I was thinking about your story is, was that ever, you know, difficult at one point in your journey to yes. like your relationship with your dad? And, and you know, that's, that's normal, but I, mm-hmm. maybe you didn't have any difficulties, but I'd love to yeah. hear about, you know, what that dynamic was like, and I'm sure it's a huge benefit right? But also maybe tough at some points. Yeah, no, it's so funny because we joke about it now, but I literally would cry in the car all the time. Like I hated like anytime my dad would give me like any constructive criticism. I was always just took it to heart. Like I just hated it. And he's, he was my coach starting as a kindergartner. Like he always volunteered to be the rec coach and you know, the other parents loved it because obviously he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> um, but he literally coached me like kindergarten through sixth grade. And around that age is when I like really started to like push back at him. And I was like having a hard time, like balancing like the father daughter relationship and the co- coach player relationship. Mm. Like we couldn't always keep those separate. And um, 
so around like seventh grade, I joined another AAU team and he was still like an assistant coach and like helped out a lot, but having like an actual head coach who wasn't my dad, who could bring a new perspective and could push me in a different way, um, was like really helpful to me. But yeah, honestly, he's like so knowledgeable of the sport, like has great advice, obviously played at the highest level. And so I always know I can rely on him for advice. And throughout my college career and this past year, he's been like so helpful and supportive. Mm. And we've definitely like figured out that father, daughter, and then like, here's some advice that might help you, you know, um, how to keep those, you know, civil and everything. So it's, it's definitely been a journey because I know there's a lot of kids out there like don't want to listen to their parents, like comment on their sports because whatever, like we don't want to hear it or I don't know what the reasons are, but, um, once I, you know, started to listen to him, it actually really helped me. So Kudos to you guys. And it's definitely yeah. not easy. Um, cause you know, it, it just feels personal sometimes. And my parents yeah. didn't play at the highest level, but sometimes my mom, yeah. be, I'd hear her on the film, just like, that was awful. You know, she'd say it on the film and I'd listen to it. I'd be like, Oh God. Like, and so, right. you know, but also they actually, one time they were like, listen, we're not coming to your games anymore. If you don't play harder. They actually like said that to me one time. Really? And, yeah. and that's the type of feedback, you know, it's a give and a take and it can be tough. But you can always reach that balance point, hopefully, um, for, for any young kids listening out, to, out there who are listening. Um, and then lastly, last question, just sort of about the youth aspect. Do you have any advice beyond what we just talked about to any young girls specifically out there who are, you know, dreaming about, you know, playing college ball or uh, maybe even the WNBA? Any, any advice to them? Yeah, I think the best advice I can give is like my journey is like unique to myself and I was definitely a late bloomer and like struggled a lot with just my self-confidence as a basketball player and I did not really find that confidence until I got to college and started to like understand my game and like what I could bring um, and what made me like a special and unique player and I think the best thing is to just recognize it's a journey and to remain coachable and like be a sponge and like learn as much as you can and just have a positive attitude. And I think good things will happen if that's your mindset, like going in every day, but not all of us are going to like wake up and be a superstar overnight. Like there's a lot of work that goes into it and just remaining coachable and humble and positive is the best thing you can do. Absolutely. Uh, I love that advice. And sort of on that front, one of the other things I was interested in talking to you about was, you know, your Under Armour commercial, uh, where you talk about sort of like imposter syndrome. Um, And I think you just alluded to that and that, you know, all of us feel that at some point to varying degrees, but literally, I think every human has felt that. Um, And so you mentioned just a little bit about how you sort of dealt with that. And in the commercial, you talk about watching film of your positive you know, plays and whatnot. But I think it's important for somebody to hear, you know, a WNBA player saying, man, sometimes I struggle with self-confidence. You know, it's not always, it's not always like I walk out there and I'm just ready to drop 30, you know? And so could you just talk a little bit about maybe your journey with that and sort of the mental side of the game? Cause I'm super interested in that. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, with the Under Armour commercial, like I was super lucky that you know, they had this new campaign coming out like under the armor and they were at the forefront of talking about like the mental, like mentality side of sports. Cause that's half the game. It's not just training your muscles and everything. It's like your mind is so important to your performance. And they reached out to me and we were, I was able to talk about like my experience with, you know, just my mentality and mental health and Um, I shared with them a story from my freshman year of college. And I remember a month into school, my mom came down and visited for the weekend and it was great. And I was like telling how much I love school and I was killing it, whatever, (laughs) everything a mom wants to hear. Oh yeah. And then like, she was dropping me off at the gym for practice. And I just like, couldn't get out of the car. I just like broke down into tears. I was like, everyone here is smarter than me. Everyone's better than me at basketball. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Like, why did they recruit me? Like, this is so hard. Like I just broke down and I was like, 
I don't know if I can do it. And it, this was like October of like freshman year, but still yeah. I was like so overwhelmed. And she was like, they recruited you for a reason. Like calm down. Like it's going to be okay. Like my mom gives me the best advice. And so I don't even remember what she said, but she made me get out of the car and go to practice. And Shout out to mom. Shout out to literally mom. Literally the best, literally the best. And, um, you know, after that, like I was able to kind of flip my mentality. I was able to, I mean, I still struggled a lot with my confidence throughout my entire career. I'm still working on it, but, um, you know, that moment was really important to me and realizing like I was able to get through that at time and, you know, succeed and thrive at Princeton and have a great career. So I think anyone who's like dealing with that imposter syndrome, like not belonging somewhere that you're not good enough, that it was an accident that you ended up there. Mm. I don't think that's true. I think everything happens for a reason and you just have to find your place and find your confidence. Um, and, you know, I think basketball really helped me find that for sure. Yeah. And I think this is, first of all, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's incredibly inspiring for real. Um, and I think people who listen will feel the same. Um, but it's important to hear, you know, young Hoobers listening to that. That's great also. But anybody in any realm of life, right? For me, like, I'm not alone. You're not alone in that. You know, I think it might have been January for me where my mom visited me. And for academics, I was like, mom, like it was finals period, right? For first yeah. semester, I was like, mom, like, I can't yeah. do this. Like, I might have been crying in the car. I don't even remember, but I was just down and out. Um, and I think it speaks to the idea that like, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this, but in our culture, I feel like we want to avoid the struggle naturally. Like we want to yeah. sort of like get away from that. And it doesn't mm-hmm. feel good to be anxious or, or like worried about if you're over your depth. But, and a lot of times it's cliche, but when you really internalize it, like struggling can really form you in a way that just being comfortable can't. Um, so right. I feel like that's a little inspiration for um, anybody, whether it's academics or sports, who just feels a little out of their depth. Um, yeah. To, to kind of go forward and see somebody like you succeed. And so my question would be, were there, was it just like the mental attitude that, or your mom's support or a host of factors that sort of helped you build that confidence? And did you do any sort of like meditation or visualization or, or anything to really work on that mental side of your game at all? It's okay. if yeah. not. But No. Yeah. I, that's like a huge thing. Like even when I was in middle school, I remember my mom was like, before game she was like I want you to close your eyes and like go through the whole game in your head but everything's gonna go well in your mind so Mm. I'd win the tip I was blocking people I was making every shot I was like running up and down the floor getting every rebound and that was kind of like a really like early practice of like positive visualization and I Mm. didn't realize that was like such an important um tool for athletes all over the world at every level and so I've I've been doing that for a really long time and I definitely see the positive effects of that and then the big one which I talked about in my Under Armour commercial is just watching film that is positive Um, I think as athletes and as people we tend to criticize ourselves a lot Mm. and we focus on like where we can improve like okay here's where I'm falling short Um, I missed this shot like why did that happen whatever And that's all good. And I think we need to see our mistakes to improve, of course. But when that's all you're seeing, then you're forgetting like what you actually do well. Mm -hmm. And so I actually have like a highlight reel of my best moments, whatever. Like I feel like I'm most confident playing the best and I can watch those before games and it gives me a huge confidence boost. And it's like a literal like it actually happened. I trust it because it's yes. real, it's film. And I know I can do it because I've done it before. Mm. So it's like your actual, like real life highlight reel that you can see the positive visualization in, in real time, which has been super helpful for me. I love the idea of making it real, right? Because I've even noticed this. I don't know if you have the same experience, but when I try to visualize my brain kind of automatically might go to a negative, honestly, like even like sort of imagining it going wrong. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dang, that's not great. <laughs> it's doing that. Yeah. And so it takes like an override to really, you know, get me to the positive visualization without any film, but sort of adding mm-hmm. that film is a great thing. And 
you know, just going over your accomplishments and your resume every once in a while, right, is, is a nice yeah. thing. And then, like, mm-hmm. like you said, sort of, when you got criticism from Coach Banghart or, or any of the coaches, like, were you able to just sort of apply, like, switch over to the mindset of like, okay, now I'm going to learn from this. And it's sort of like a waffling back and forth between like building mm-hmm. yourself up and then learning from that, from that criticism, would you say? Yeah. You no, it's, it's a fine line. Like, obviously, I think when I was younger, I hated film because I was like, oh, I'm about to miss, <laughs> like, oh, I'm about to do something stupid. And you're just like sitting in your chair, like cringing. <laughs> and as I've, you know, played for more years and gotten more experience, like I get more comfortable like watching film where like I know I'm about to make the mistake because at least I recognize it and you know my coach recognizes it and it's something like I fix later in the game or I know next game like I can make those changes yeah um but yeah I think it's not internalizing criticism like obviously there's no one is going on having a perfect game LeBron Mm -hmm. James makes a mistake every game like you Mm -hmm. can't expect to do everything perfectly. Um, but it's just making sure you remember, you know, the, the good things you do out there and the reason like you're on the team and you bring something, you know, to the, to the court. For sure. Um, and I love that. And sort of, you know, the other element of this is you were performing so high on, on the court, so well on the court. Um, then you had this real, real academic challenge at Princeton, yeah. right? Like we know Princeton ain't no joke, right? It's, <laughs> it's tough. Um, so again, maybe useful for people who are thinking to go to a similar school, right? Could you just talk a little bit about your schedule there? What strategies Mm -hmm. you employ to sort of handle the academic rigor? Cause it's real there as well as perform well on the court and any challenges that were there and like what you did to, to balance. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause you know what you're signing up for when you decide to like, play a division one sport like at Princeton but you never really know what it's going to be like until you get there and experience it Mm -hmm. and it was definitely a challenge like especially my first year like I'm talking about being upset about basketball but school was hard enough too and um I think the best I mean the best lesson I learned was just time management um, you know, college, you have like a couple blocks of classes every day, but you have a lot of free time. And I like to like be social and make friends and go sit around in the dining halls for a few hours. And I did that for freshman year. I was like making all these friends, having a great time and definitely prioritized that over school. Um, I felt like I did that a lot freshman year. And then once I kind of realized like I could manage my time way better, Um, spend more time in the library like just blocking out time like for myself where I could like really focus yes that's when I got the most work done so I think you know it's all a balance like you don't want to just spend your college years like in the library and on the basketball court like that's not what I wanted my four years to be like but you obviously want to like do well in school um, and focus on academics because you know that's the main reason you're there so I think it's the big thing was just time management and, you know, learning that the hard way. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I was in the same boat as you, but not going through the rigor of the practicing and you guys had to travel all the way down to Jadwin. So it's like all this commuting time. (laughs) So respect to you. Um, And I think it shows, right? Like it wasn't easy, like we just talked about, but it is possible, right? To sort of cultivate your wellness as best as possible. You know, none of us are the picture perfect wellness, but you know, you're able to succeed on the court and the classroom and socially it's possible, right? Yeah. Take some effort though. Um, For sure. Great, great. And then I guess one of the last questions I had about Princeton um, was just getting that senior season cut short um, oh, yeah. and just 26 and one, I think you guys were and no NCAA tournament, right? If I'm mista- yeah. not mistaken, what yeah. was that like? How do you swallow that? How do you process that if you even have at all? Yeah, Um, it was crazy because I remember when everything kind of went down, we ended our season, like our regular season as the Ivy League champions. And we were preparing super hard to go in the Ivy League tournament because even though we'd probably get an at-large bid because we were a top 25 team, Mm -hmm. we just wanted to make a point. So they canceled the Ivy league tournament first. And I remember we still knew we were going to be able to 
get the bye to the tournament but our men's team that meant that was the end of their season so that was that was hard because our teams are close and you know I have so many close friends on that team and like that just was really heartbreaking to to see them experience that first and then so we had a little bit of hope for our own team and then NCAA announced no fans and then like the next day I think the NBA season canceled or like Mm. stopped short then the NCAA tournament canceled and that was just like so hard I just remember me and Taylor my Mm co-captain going to um our coach's office and they just were like crying when we got there and we're like oh no it's over it was it's just like who predicts this like Mm. you can't and you know you work so hard all season to play in the NCAA tournament and it's just hard to I mean we're also like realizing we're about to be in like a global pandemic right in quarantine like there was so much happening but I think the best thing we did was be together as a team and just kind of like talk through the end of the season and recognize like how much we had accomplished and Mm. to actually just be like proud of what we did do even though there's like that unfinished business like you can't fully like accept it's over like we kind of had that closure as a team and because we're 26 and one we're technically national champions because that was the same record as South Carolina there you go so we could end on that that but um it was you know it's heartbreaking I think for everyone for every college athlete who had their season cut short Mm. um even for this past year like all my teammates didn't get to play, you know, in this season. And I just, it's just heartbreaking, but, you know, we were able to stay on Zooms with each other and like support each other through the end of the school year. Um, And you just make the most of it. So it's not easy, but, you know, it happened. (laughs) Right. It happened. Not easy. I feel like it's never going to go away. Pain's kind of never going to go away a little bit. Right. You know, it's always going to be there and that's okay. And I think, one of the things that you alluded to was something that, you know, on the last pod, I was talking with a basketball player as well about, you know, what's really important at the end of the day with sports. And it's sometimes very hard, very easy to lose sight of that, at least for myself. Mm-hmm. But it, it really is sort of like the people that you're meeting and like the relationships you're forming and the experiences you're having as a collective. So it sounds like you're able to get a little bit of that piece, just like being with your team and remembering mm-hmm. that, you know, at the end, you know, 50 years, right? Like, You'll be yeah. 26 and one. And that was great. But also the relationships that you form. And again, it sounds corny, but like when you really let that sink in, I think that's what's most important about sports at the end of the day. I, don't it know. Is. I think, I think it's definitely the bonds you create. Like you go through so much in sports and like no one understands except the people who experienced it together. And I think it's just, yeah, it's like an unspoken bond and for me just being a senior like I already went through senior night and I'm like I love my team and I was so emotional and I kind of went through that whole like roller coaster like okay that was my last game in Jadwin like this is like kind of nearing the end and so I was already like in that space where Mm -hmm. I was like okay like I feel like I have a lot to finish with this team but I'm really proud of this season and you know once once it was cut short, I think everyone was kind of experiencing that those same emotions that like, and I think it was just the fact that it all happened so quickly made it just a little more difficult, but I completely agree with you. Like the things I remember most are not like, you know, these specific games and the wins and the losses, but it's like the moments you spend with your teammates on the bus or like in the locker room and like, you know, going to lunch with your teammates, like, even like the hard practices that like you just hated that day. Like I miss those things. And I think that's, that's the great part about, about sports. Absolutely. It's like, that's when I think about my conversations with all my teammates in the past, you know, like that's what you talk about. And I remember being so fixated on like, and worried about like how I performed, like how many points did I have this game, that game, especially in high school. I remember like thinking that like people will remember that forever. And like, I really don't remember anything about that now. And it's important for people who might be in that now to hear somebody like you talk about that of like, okay, I want to do the best I can, but let me focus on being a good teammate too. And a good, you know, 
uh, mm-hmm. just, just support system for the people around you, because that's what you talk about, the jokes in the future and all that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Great. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I figured now moving into sort of the WNBA realm, um, mm-hmm. first question about it, before I, I dive into sort of like men's versus women's like pay inequality and all that stuff, because I've been like reading about that and I want to hear your perspective a lot. Yeah. First thing I want to know is just like, what would be one thing about, you know, the life of a WNBA player? I know it's kind of crazy right now because it's all different, but like, what would be something that some, that people just don't know about that lifestyle um, and sort of giving them that inside look of, of what it's yeah. like? So I haven't even had like a real like WNBA season. So my first one was in the bubble, mm-hmm. but I think something that I wish more people knew about professional um, female basketball players is that it's not just the WNBA season. Like this is year round for a lot of these women. And like, I have a teammate here in Spain who has been playing WNBA overseas for like over 10 years. And like, that is crazy to me. Like basically without a break, she's just been playing. Um, And so many players do this. And it's, it's because of, you know, the way WNBA players are paid, um, you know, in the United States versus yes. overseas, the contracts you can get playing for teams overseas are way higher than you can get in the United States. Um, and so I think just, I want to like shout out the fact that these women are like literally playing year round um, to, you know, play the sport they love, which I think is just incredible. And right. And I think that's so important for people to hear. And I'm going to call myself out, right. Because I even think of myself as a huge you know, proponent of women's basketball. Like I grew up watching my sister in particular play basketball. She played at a very high level, walked on D1. Um, I went to all her practices and AAU tournaments, went to my sister's volleyball stuff, like very into women's sports. I try to watch as much as I could, but I didn't even know that, right? That like the reason why you're in Spain right now, right? Is because you're playing on, on the European circuit basically right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the WNBA season is so much shorter and, and the pay gap, right? So I think that's just yeah. important for people to hear. And even me just to like, check myself, be like, whoa, like I didn't even know that. Right. So man, I guess like now jumping into that, I really just want to hear your perspective about it. And I've done some research on this, right. About like why this is occurring, right. This pay gap and what is the pay gap. Right. So Mm -hmm. for me, one of the biggest statistics is that 20% of the revenue revenue in the WNBA is paid to salaries and 50% of the revenue in the NBA is paid to salaries. And yeah. so I was learning, I don't, please feel free to jump in whenever you want, but I was just learning yeah. about like, what is going on there? Like the viewership is the same for the WNBA versus the MLS, for example. So major league soccer, but mm-hmm. it just seems that the corporate sponsorship is so much lower for the WNBA. And mm-hmm. is that because like corporate executives are mostly male? Just why, why is this investment not pouring in? But then is there cause for hope because the WNBA has been around only about 20 so years. Um, And I think the NBA, when it was around for 20 years, like the revenue was about 20%. So maybe it can grow in the future. Um, But I'm just throwing out stats and stuff I was learning about, but I'd love to kind of like just learn more from you and have our viewers kind of hear from your perspective. Yeah. So the WNBA actually celebrated its 25th anniversary, I think right. a few days ago. And um, I don't have the exact number, so I don't want to quote anything, yeah. but it's around, if not better, like what the NBA was within 25 years Excellent. Um, in terms of like viewership and like in, in certain realms of like whatever um it's it's doing well um (laughs) for how young it is as a league and i think the big thing for me that i've thought about is just the chicken and egg problem with um investment in marketing and the idea that like people don't want to watch women's sports but there's no investment in it and then people say well why would we invest in it if like no one wants to watch it absolutely and i think like female athletes are like a huge untapped marketing, like, like area of marketing. Like I think the more that companies and groups can invest in women's sports, I think they're going to see tremendous growth, um, down the road. Um, but it has to happen now. I think there has to be an investment to see any, you know, 
to have anything come back. Um, so that's kind of how I see it is I think, you know, we continue to, you know, try to tell stories of the individual players and try to market them, um, try to get people excited about the league. Um, and, but I, I think there has to be just more investment in it for, for things to grow. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of just how I've thought about it. Yeah. And, and I love that. I love that, you know, you're staying positive because I can imagine it. I mean, maybe you're negative a lot of the time or sometimes like, and that would be understandable because I don't know, for me, I just get upset, right. When I'm like, and I can imagine you do too, but like reading comments, right. On like Instagram posts that might be celebrating like a female athlete or a female sport. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like people are so blaze brazenly sort of like anti-female sports, like in these yeah. Instagram comments. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I obviously there's a huge racism problem in America and it's, you know, as bad as ever, maybe, but I feel like people aren't in the comments with the same type of, you know, just brash outspokenness against women's sports, uh, yeah. against racism as they are, you know, in women's sports. And I feel like that's brutal to see. But also, like you said, maybe there's some real hope here because the numbers aren't so different from where the NBA was that we can really, you know, grow this sport and have people see that it's a beautiful yeah. game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think speaking to what you're saying about like online comments and stuff, I think that is like a huge challenge for female athletes is like, we all have a social media presence and people feel so confident coming in your comments and your direct messages saying just like such sexist, like, or like like, harassing comments, like anything. And it's, it's crazy to me how bold people can be. And it's obviously their issue if they feel the need to say something to me or, one of my teammates, but, um, it is amazing to me, like just how outspoken people can be as in like for anti-women's sports. Um, and I don't really see why growing that game hurts anyone. I think it just improves society. And I think it, the visibility of women's sports, I think women's basketball is played differently than men's basketball. I was just going to say that. It, there's there's like a different type of like teamwork aspect I see the ball moves differently um and I think if you appreciate it for what it is then um people will love it but I think people are really quick to treat it as like a second class citizen it's like women's basketball and then there's basketball which is men's basketball and I think that's why there's this conversation you know yes and I think what you touched on is so important, right? And for anybody who's listening, right, who might not be sold on women's sports or maybe is even anti-women's sports, right? I think what Bella said is key and trying to show you the positive aspect of this sport to draw you in, right? And I saw exactly what you were saying. Saw a stat saying that 52% of all WNBA players fall above the average points per game tally for their league, WNBA, whereas mm-hmm. 40% of all NBA players um, fall above that average. Right. So that shows that there's much more focus on sort of like star power in the NBA. And there's yeah. much more of that team aspect. And here's the important in the WNBA. Here's mm-hmm. the important thing, right? Like everybody fell in love with the 2014 Spurs and like the 2016 Warriors because mm-hmm. of that ball movement. Right. And it's like, yeah. people don't even know that it's there in the WNBA and is such a beautifully like refreshing game to watch. So I just wanted to highlight that based on exactly what you just said. It's a stat. It's there. You can look it up. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's really cool to watch like women's basketball and my dad who's played at, you know, the highest level, like he chooses to watch women's basketball now. (laughs) I don't know if it's because of me or it's because he genuinely likes the way the game is played. Um, But I think it's true. I think don't knock it till you try it. Like I think people are quick to make comments and they haven't even like, tried to watch a game um but yeah I think there's an appreciation there that anyone could have if you just love the game of basketball absolutely why not both right like you said doesn't detract to support women's sports why not both um and I think that's just a great message for people to hear um and I guess you know one of just this is an interesting question I saw on the internet um, I feel like people might pay attention to your answer crazy because you're in the WNBA, but feel free to not comment on this. Um, okay. But I thought this was interesting. Thoughts on the idea that, you know, we should lower the rim in women's basketball mm-hmm. 
to increase like athleticism and more not increase athleticism, increase athletic plays. Right. Mm -hmm. Some famous uh, WNBA players are really for this. Some think it's like awful. It's an awful idea. You don't have yeah. to comment. I know it might get like super public if you comment on no, it. I can. I, yeah. I actually feel like I've thought about this a lot. And yeah. I think I don't think we should lower the rims. Like I can dunk on a 10 foot. Let's, let's go. There's plenty of players that can. Um, and I don't think that's an issue. I also I don't know how many dunks happen in an NBA game, but it's not like an overwhelming amount that that's the only reason people are watching is because people are dunking. Um, but I mean, that's not the reason I watch. Like, I think there's other aspects of the game that are really cool. Um, but one thing I was thinking about that, I don't know if someone has talked about this before, but if we lower the women's rim by a foot, then imagine all the girls who go out to a public park and want to practice and then it's 10 feet and then they're at a disadvantage because yes. they can't practice on those hoops. And then, you know, there's already this issue, like say you go to, you know, lifetime fitness and all the guys are like, Oh, we have to lower the rim for yeah. this girl. I just see that as like an accessibility problem. Um, and I don't think, you know, it would make it any easier for, women to train and play the game if we have to have like different hoops everywhere um so that's kind of my my two cents about the rims I think that's a brilliant point and firstly going back to what we were just talking about I think personally uh, my opinion based off you know the reading I've done talking with you is like I'd rather just keep it like you said at the 10 foot um just so we don't create more of this divide between the two sports I could see it going both ways but like let's just appreciate the women's game for what it is. It's different than the men's game. We don't need to try to equalize it in the hoop sense. I know the mm -hmm. balls are, are a little bit lighter. Um, I think the three point line is a little closer, but I don't like the accessibility problem is such a real thing. Right. And yeah. you don't want that to be a, you got to overhaul like all the parks in, in the United yeah. States. Like, come on. I, I don't know, know if I that's feasible. There's already like a barrier of entry for women yes. coming into basketball because like we've been talking about, I think like, society like sees basketball as like men's basketball okay, and women okay. are the ones like intruding on this yes and to then like lower the hoops and have another barrier of entry there i think would cause like a bigger problem love it i love yeah. it thank you for your perspective there yeah, um absolutely. and now as we're moving towards the end of it i just kind of want to ask you know about who you are outside of basketball right so I know, you know, balling is, is you know, basically oh, a, a ball of life, right? As the uh, people never stops, as the shirts used to used to say. Um, but I know you studied history at Princeton. Maybe mm -hmm. you're not passionate about it. You don't have to be passionate about it. But would love to, like, ask you sort of what motivated that. And is there any kind of history that you're interested in um, from that perspective? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really know what I wanted to major in going into Princeton. I thought psychology, even though I'd mm. never taken a psychology class before. Um, and I took psych 101 and it kicked my butt. I did not <laughs> like it. Um, went the social route for a little bit and mm. thought maybe I'd do sociology. Um, but I found that I loved all my history classes and I spent the most time like doing homework for them. And I love the readings and all my best grades were in history. And I was like, this seems like a sign. Like I actually enjoy this. And I, if I'm going to write, you know, like an 80 page thesis, like maybe right. it should be about, <laughs> you know, a general subject that I enjoy. And so that's kind of how I landed on history. Um, I've always liked it. Like I really like us history, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then Hamilton came out and I was yes. like, I love us history even more. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I ended, ended up doing that. I love like writing and, you know, I'm a quick reader. I like reading too. So it just made sense for me. Um, and speaking of Hamilton too, I just like love Broadway. That's like one of my favorite things. Mm. I grew up like seeing a lot of shows with my mom so, who we haven't so. talked about, but she's not as athletic as my dad. And she's more on like the artsy side. Mm. Um, and, has always, you know, pushed me to do things in the arts. And mm. I think that's made me maybe a more well-rounded person, but I absolutely love Broadway. So that's one of my like secret side passions. In my I life. love it. 
I love yeah. it. Um, I think, you know, this podcast for me is sort of, you know, one of, if not the only sort of creative endeavor that I'm like doing um, at the moment. And it's just been so much pre-med and I love medicine and all that. It's great, you know, but there is something to be said about cultivating that side of your life. And honestly, I don't know if arts and sports are that disparate, right? I think you're both sort of creating um, and entertaining mm -hmm. and in, in a way that's very different and, and very unique, but super cool to hear that. Um, my question would be, what kind of books are you interested in? You said you like to read a little bit. You, do you do any reading for fun? Any books? Are you nonfiction, fiction person? Yeah. So after school ended, I like <laughs> went on a book hiatus. I was like, I cannot read another page. Of <laughs> Can't anything. look at a page. Yeah. <laughs> um, but recently, since I've been overseas, I definitely have more downtime. So I like to read like thrillers, um, uh, like murder mystery stuff. I, I just like can read books in like two days. Like I get obsessed with like mm -hmm. the plots and I just have to like read it really fast. So that's kind of my favorite genre. And, you know, I also try to read some like nonfiction to keep my, myself educated yeah. on, on other things, but um, that's definitely what I enjoy the most. I love that murder mysteries. I I've only dipped my toe into like Agatha Christie, which is kind yeah. of the mainstream. I'm reading, I'm reading one of hers now. It's called five little pigs. I'm like okay. halfway done with it. So I'll let you know if it's any good. For sure. Please do. I read, and then there were none. And then murder on the Orient express, both great. I like, yeah. I like thrillers as well. I mean, I, I, I joke with my friends and stuff. Like I, I feel like I'm a smart person. I hope. But like with who knows, they might have, you know, messed up there. But like with these thrillers, I feel like it's hard for me to follow them sometimes, but I still love Same. it. I don't know Same. if you ever get that experience where you're just like, I'm not quite sure where we're at right now, but this is awesome. You know what yeah. I mean? So <laughs> yeah. that happens to me too. <laughs> okay. I'm not alone. Um, I'm not the only, hopefully smart person who feels that way. Um, <laughs> great. And then you know, any hobbies, I guess reading is a hobby, but anything else that you like to do, anything that's kind of like brought you joy in the pandemic during this yeah. crazy time at all? This one's kind of funny. So my brother, my younger brother, he's in animation. Um, he's at RIT, like studying animation. Sick. And we talk about, he loves animation. Like generally he talks about cartoons and video games, like favorite thing to talk about. And I was like, I brought up Animal Crossings. I was just curious what it was. And for Christmas, it was the sweetest thing. He got me a Nintendo Switch and oh, Animal Crossing. Yes. And I became obsessed with Animal Crossing for, <laughs> for a solid like few months. I'll like go back and play it sometimes. But yeah. that was like a really random hobby I never expected to pick up during the pandemic. Yeah. That I weirdly spent a lot of time doing. So were you a gamer at all before that or not at all? Not really. So I have two younger brothers and they're both like major gamers. Right. They have the whole setup with the LED lights and the <laughs> keyboard and everything. And I can't, I can't even keep up with them. So mm -hmm. I have not, and I'm so competitive that like, I hate the fact that they can beat me every time. Naturally. Naturally. So I choose not to participate all the time, but, um, yeah, I mean, animal crossing, I'm pretty good at, at this it, point. So it's so funny you say that like my sister is the same way hooper and like she wasn't bad at video games but she was like i know you can beat me so i don't want to play you yeah. um what was it like like on this animal crossing front i like my girlfriend was playing it too and i was like what yeah. do you find what do you love so much about it like you're just sort know. of building the town like what what is it that you love it's just like i don't know it looks i don't cool, know right? i think i think it's like the creative part like yes. you basically have an island that you you have your little person that's you and you run around and you clean up the <laughs> island and you make it literally whatever you want <laughs> and like for a while you try to like get enough money and like resources to have a concert and then once that happens you just have free reign to do whatever you want on this wow. island and so that you know I spent a lot of hours just building houses and <laughs> doing different things i really don't know why it's addictive, but it is no see that's it sometimes you just gotta do things that have no end that's like tangible and it's fun that's video yeah. games you know what i mean and yeah i feel like so that's super dope um last question here bella is like and again if you haven't thought about this no worries okay. have you thought of like 
Yeah, I know, because you said, right, you weren't sure you wanted to, you were going to go to the WNBA, you know what I mean, early mm-hmm. on. Have you thought about, like, what lies beyond a potential playing career at all? Any yeah. inkling of, of what you would want to do? Yeah, I was, I randomly was talking to my mom a little bit about this today, actually, but I just know I love basketball, like, yes. obviously, and I want, I feel like I am so passionate about like playing for a team, whether that's being on the court or making the team better, if that's on the business side, like Mm. I'm really motivated by working towards its common goal with others. Mm. I think that's what really makes me tick. And so I really hope to stay within the basketball world. Um, And like we were talking about this pay gap and the inequality, the gender inequality in sports, that is something I've grown to be so passionate about, especially because I'm kind of like living it now. And, you know, I hope maybe to be an advocate for Title IX one day, whether that's, you know, going to law school eventually and maybe like doing the being a lawyer on that side of it because yeah. I, I have you know like some role models in my life who that's that's their career right um but I think I I would like to make a difference in some way with gender equality in sports and so I don't know what that's going to look like but down the road I hope you know that's something I can you know leave like an impact on the world with man you got me fired up uh it's just <laughs> You got me inspired. You know, I was inspired before coming on, just hearing that sort of tying everything we talked about together. I know you can do it. You know, whatever you set your mind to, you got it. Um, And just thank you, Bella. It's like literally almost midnight where you're at. This has been an absolute joy. Um, So just thank you for your time and just insights that you shared. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, oh my God, I just have to <laughs> Time no, to go to I, it was great talking to you. Um, and I feel like it's so easy to talk to you and you can literally talk about any topic in the world. So um, I really appreciate your time too and inviting me on the podcast. Thank you, Bella. To the listeners, good night, good afternoon. We appreciate it. All right, bye-bye.